Hello, welcome to the Girl I Slept in My Makeup podcast by three sisters who live in three different states who are excited to talk to each other and also to learn and grow alongside of each of you. My name is Megan. I'm Kristen. And I'm Lauren. Hey, sisters. Hey. Hey. (laughs) Welcome back to another week. We're excited to meet Anna Wong today. She was a producer on Kristen's Worst Cooks of America season, which was super exciting. So we can't wait to get to know her more. She has a decade of experience in unscripted content. Anna Wong has produced and directed hundreds of hours of content ranging from food to fashion to politics. And outside of her day job, Anna is passionate about voter engagement and progressive advocacy. She was named New Jersey's top 100 LGBTQ and powerful women list for engaging hundreds of volunteers and tens of thousands of voters through civic workshops and grassroots organizing in the last three and a half years. Wow. (laughs) Prior to becoming a producer and organizer, Anna worked as a bartender and and Department of S- Investigations Analyst in, in New York City. <laughs> wow. Get that out. That's amazing. I don't, I think the bartending really is the biggest one. Yeah. I feel like if you've ever been a bartender, that's like all the life skills you need. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> You'll have to Love tell it. us some stories. <laughs> yeah. what's, your, what's your signature drink? <laughs> Ooh. You know what I really love? Um, and actually, this is the combination from like working in food so much. I make a really mean, what would I call it? A ginger beer margarita. Ooh, Ooh. that's yeah. really good. It's like tequila and I do like fresh squeezed orange juice with ginger beer, a lot of lime and orange zest. It's amazing. I stole that recipe from Bobby Flay. Nice. Oh <laughs> yeah, I feel like yeah. you probably know all the best recipes with all the shows that you produced on. You I get mean, all the tricks. <laughs> but, but we all know having a good recipe doesn't mean you can cook, right? That's, That's very true. true. <laughs> I oh am proof gosh. of that because lots. I have lots of recipe books and not lots of great meals happening over here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it just takes some practice. Yeah. yeah. Well, Anna, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited to get to know you better and to kind of dive into a world that's definitely foreign to me of producing. Um, So we just thank you so much for being here. Happy to be here. (laughs) Yeah. To start off, I just wanted to kind of, you know, for people to get to know you better, if you could like chat a little bit about what your biggest passions are right now, what your focus is, I think that will help for everyone to know Anna more. Yeah. First, I want to say I love the name of your podcast. Um, Thank you. Second, as somebody who doesn't ever wear makeup, I really just deeply empathize with people (laughs) who have to um, or really like to. Um, And I'll say from personal experience, my wife wears makeup a lot less now during this pandemic, but it's a constant struggle with her because, you know, I try to designate like a makeup towel. And I'm like, this is your makeup towel, but she never uses the makeup towel and it just ends up in all the towels. Um, But yes, uh, makeup life is, is real. Yes. Um, and I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I kind of envy you because 
unfortunately, I don't feel good without it. So, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I wish I own. could. Yeah, exactly. So I guess aside from the passion of not having to wear makeup, <laughs> um, I mean, what what isn't there to be passionate about right now, right? Um, I mean, the elephant in the room would be the election. Yeah. I mean, our country is like hanging on by a thread. <laughs> and right. I think my passion and probably a lot of other people's passions right now is trying to save our country, trying to save our democracy. Yeah. So um, outside of work, uh, which fortunately I am still working um, remotely as a producer, um, I'm spending okay. a lot of time volunteering for, you know, campaigns, trying to get out the vote. Living in New Jersey, we're not quite like a, a, an important swing state, so to speak. So I'm spending a lot of time helping uh, in South Carolina for Jamie Harrison's race. Um, wow. Yeah. And so just like calling people, texting people, making sure they're registered, making making sure they know how to vote. Um, every state is different too. So unfortunately, you know, you got some states that make it a lot harder to vote and then some states that, you know, it's really confusing. And so it's just really making sure people are prepared and that they have a plan. And, you know, with this election being extra strange, um, a lot of people may not be comfortable going to the polls on election day. And so it's just really being aware of like, what are your vote by mail uh, rules in your state? And how do you make sure that your ballot will first that you get a ballot and second that, you know, you know how to fill it out properly and that when you send it back or drop it off that it'll get counted. So it's just a lot of that kind of, yeah. you know, voter information and, you know, making sure people are not just informed, but empowered. Yeah, yeah, totally. For sure. Yeah. Following you on social media is like, you're so passionate and it's just so inspiring. Like, uh, I'm, I'm glad like, I'm not depressing you. <laughs> no, like, I'm like, oh God, I got to get on her level, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those things where like, you either like, wallow in anger and despair or you take action, right? Yeah. And it's just in some ways just so much easier to take action. Otherwise, I you take a like, lot of action. And it, it. let me just say as an outsider looking in, it's very inspiring. So Aww, yeah, I was going to say that's admirable because that, that's your attitude because I feel like a lot for a lot of people – you get stuck in it. It's hard to actually take action, but how nice to have somebody like you that sounds like a huge source of resource, I guess, you know, to go to, to ask the questions. So thank you for your service. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. And it's, I think you hit the nail on the head, right? Like I've really sort of become like a human LinkedIn for elections, you know, mm -hmm. local and, and even federal. And so for me, it's, it's such a natural segue from being a producer. Yeah. You know, as a producer, I feel like, you know, people who don't know what production is and don't know what producers do, the way I see it is, you know, we do two things. We tell stories and we solve problems. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and the latter skill of solving problems is huge because we're not just solving problems as they come up. You know, as a producer, you have to imagine, like, what are all the problems that can happen? And you try to imagine every scenario before it happens so that you can try to prepare. Yeah. And in many ways that, you know, forces you to learn a lot and you have to, you know, be able to access and find information really quickly. And those skills translate really easily into like politics and, you know, electoral advocacy, because, you know, you're, if, if, if you're like, you know, thinking about, okay, I'm going to come to Texas to shoot a show. I'm going to learn everything I know I need to know about Texas. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing as like, Texas is a huge state for this upcoming election. I'm going to learn everything that I need to know about voting in Texas. Mm -hmm. It's just sharing information. 
And I think the other thing is also like so many people, I feel like at least up until these last few years, um, never talked about politics, you know, myself included. Um, And now it's just like, we can't afford not to talk about it. We can't afford not to share this this information. Mm, Um, And I feel like, you know, we live in a country where it's so easy to put your blinders on and you can curate your entire existence online and you can go a whole day without knowing what's happening if you want to. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's like sad. So for me, it's like share, share everything good and bad. I want everybody to know everything that's out there and obviously be mindful not to share fake news, but yeah, um, sharing, sharing is caring. And so, yeah, yeah. no, I love that. Cause I'll admit I am one of those where when it specifically comes to politics, it feels so far fetched and over my head and overwhelming, I guess that I tend to in my mind, the way that I am just in life, it's like, I'm either, I don't feel like I have a right to complain about anything unless I'm willing to take action. And when it comes to politics, it's just not something I've ever been passionate about for better or worse. But, um, I think that it, I forgot where I was even going with this thought, but I think that I am one of those who kind of it easily sits on the sidelines, which isn't great. And that's not setting a good example and being a good citizen. But I think sometimes I just feel like if I'm not going to actually do something about it or don't even know what to do, then kind of it's easy to put on those blinders. So I definitely resonate with what you're saying about how easy it is to do that. So yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, because Anna, you like for me, it's like you show me things I can do because I'm one of those people too. And I will admit it. And you know, it's embarrassing, but it's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to begin. So it's so great to have people like you where you can like, give like, tangible things that they can actually do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So I just love that. Aww, yeah. Thank you. And how cool too, you brought up how the skills that you've picked up along the way with producing, that's so neat to hear. I love hearing stories where you are able to look back and while you probably didn't even realize it for many years along the way, being able to use those skills and utilize them in something else in your life that you're passionate about, that's such a gift and such a great thing. So I love, I love hearing that. Um, and I think oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, uh, you know, going back to the, the beginning when we were talking about bartending, I feel like that job really changed me for the better and really developed a skill set that I think is so hard to learn outside of a career like that. Um, and let's be real, it is a career. It's one of the hardest jobs that you can ever do. Um, I was about to say, did you learn that humans are assholes or what else? No. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> are some humans assholes? For sure. Yeah, are humans yeah. extra assholey when they're drunk? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> but then you have like the fun drunks. Yeah. yeah I, I, would, I would throw myself in that category. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, you know, when you're bartending, you are me- you're seeing people at their highest of highs and their lowest of lows, mm-hmm. right? Because what are the, you know, what do you go out to grab a drink for? Usually to celebrate or when something really awful happened. Mm-hmm. And so you're now having to deal with, you know, you're serving these people, but you're not just serving them a drink. You're like listening to their stories, right? Yeah. And a part of it is sales because obviously you're, you know, making that sale and you want them to come back and you want them to order another round and you want them to tip you well. But another part of that is really like develop, developing relationships with mm-hmm. people. Um, a lot of times, you know, you if you've 
bartended for some time, then, you know, you have regulars who come back and you really get invested and you form, I've, I've formed some of the best friendships to this day, people I still stay in contact with who I consider, you know, not just friends, but they're like my chosen family. And, and they came in just as customers. And, you know, there's an art to bartending where you are in many ways interviewing yeah. that person, you are befriending them, they have to put their trust in you. A lot of times, you know, they pour their deepest, darkest secrets out to you and you, you're you that vault for them in that moment, you know, as they're like purging um, and drinking <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, or you're like their biggest cheerleader because they just came in and like they just got married or they just got engaged or, you know, got a big promotion and like you're there to cheer them on too. Yeah. So, you know, there's just something so incredible about bartending and, and that is so such a natural transition to producing because you know, when you produce, you, you tell stories, right? You interview those people. And Kristen, you know this from experience, like you sit in the chair for hours, you know, talking to a producer. And yeah, you you're know. a great interviewer. You make like, I know firsthand the what I loved about you is I just always felt so comfortable. And like, I could just spill the beans, you know, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or bad. But um, and something else I love about what you're saying, it's like, no matter what job you have, it's like, it's leading, it's, preparing preparing you for where you're going and even if you stay in that job forever I just love that the point you're making it's like you know for instance my husband like worked on a chihuahua farm but guess what now he knows how to take care of pets and like that goes a lot I don't know where I'm going with that yeah. but you know what I'm saying <laughs> yeah. so, I have two chihuahuas yeah. Aww, I love, you do I know your chihuahuas actually but <laughs> yeah. you, you always have cute pics so let's, let's dive in that, to that a little bit, Anna. So how, tell us and our listeners, how did you get into producing and share with us some of the uh, bigger name shows that we, we would know? Yeah. So back to bartending, right? So when I was coming out of high school, my dream was to go to NYU and go to film, NYU film school one day, like, write a script, win an Oscar. I think, like, so many people have that same dream. My um, husband. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, but then, it. unfortunately, the year I graduated, it was the year 9-11 happened. And that really, like, put a damper on, like, a lot of acceptance. And so I was waitlisted to NYU. Didn't end up going. Um, my second choice ended up being going to Fordham like frankly, just because they offered a scholarship, which was fantastic at the time. And I decided to switch from film to psychology, which I feel like psychology is like the major that everybody picks when they're not like quite certain what they want to do. <laughs> and then I ended up dropping out. And I just never really, you know, I did try to go back like one or two more times, but it just never really worked out for me. And that's how I ended up bartending. And so here I am bartending, I'm like three, three, four years into bartending. Uh, which was again, like, I don't regret it one bit because the, the friendships that I've made, I met my wife at the same bar, oh, we worked oh. there together. Um, and then a coworker that I was bartending with had just done this program that New York had launched, and it was called Made in New York. And it was a production assistant program. And the so the New York City TV and film office put this together, because okay. they wanted productions that come to New York to film to hire local people. And so I thought, oh, this is a great way to like learn how to, you know, be on a set and, and how to, you know, work in TV or film. I did the program. I got hired right out of the program. And that's sort of how my production experience started. Um, and then I sort of, you know, networked my way around. And, and that's a big one, too, just finding like, who do you know in the industry? Because there's actually so many people. And 
that one thing led to another. I started on a very small show for the DIY network. And then like within a year I was working on Top Chef and then later on Project Runway and of course Works Cooks in America, which is how I know you all. <laughs> um, and so I've been really lucky. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you've done some incredible things. Um, so what would be like your favorite show that you've worked on thus far? Or can you say that? <laughs> I, I honestly don't know that I've had a favorite show like so many of them have been so much fun and so I've been really fortunate like just really like high I mean I've done some that are not so fun but just really high caliber I gotta say like I really love competition so all the competitions that I just named are really just so fun because you get to meet people who like you're not just telling their stories but they come with such great skill or lack of skill, like you, Kristen, yeah. <laughs> which is still also fun. <laughs> well, I learned a lot. I will. I felt like I went to cooking school. <laughs> I mean, I learned how to cook on that show, yeah. so yeah. we both did. Um, yeah. Hey, it worked out for you. You won. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, um, there was this one little show that I did just one episode of, and I still like. I ne- will never forget it. It was a, it's a YouTube series called Prank It Forward. And the episode that we did was Married at the Movies. And it was a surprise engagement that turned right into a wedding, like an engagement rolling right into a wedding in a movie theater for this couple. And the bride um, had Hodgkin's lymphoma and she was really sick and they had been like struggling for quite some time. They couldn't afford a wedding. And so we threw this surprise wedding for her. Um, it was, it was so much work because we did it in such a short amount of time and it was me begging people to come on and do things for free. It was, you know, I found, you know, these two sisters local in New Jersey who do floral and arrangements and they came and decorated for free. I found this wonderful woman who does cakes and she made a cake for free. And it was just like a community coming together for this incredible cause. Um, and it was a beautiful, beautiful night. And, um, I think within a year or two she passed and I think about that often because, you know, I wish, I wish we did more things like that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that was probably one of my favorite TV memories. It's like that a walk to remember movie, but (laughs) but in real life, right. (laughs) I used to love that movie when I was younger. I've always wondered this, this question. Um, it seems like producers, have a really strong influence on the way shows go. So while it's we know that they're not scripted, is it seems like they're the creators of the show from the outside. Would you agree with that? Like, what what's your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I think that when it comes to the producers, I mean, and, and also like there's different levels of producers, right? So you've got an executive producer or a few executive producers. And that can mean just the person who's, you know, fronting the money to make the project. It could be the person who's at the network who's overseeing the project or the person who's actually show running um, and making the show. And then you've got producers below that line. But every step along the way, you know, these are the producers who are deciding who's going to be on the show, right? So casting is really huge mm-hmm. because, you know, who you bring on, you know, that's that's what you're starting with, right? I guess those are like your, your the ingredients, if you will. Um, yeah. And then the next the next stage after casting is, you know, you get to know who these people are and then you sort of pick and choose like, all right, what parts of these people do we want to really highlight? Um, because as as intricate as we all are, we can't pour every bit of our stories out there. 
um, you know, TV is a finite amount of time. So you have to sort of pick and choose what aspects you want to really show the world. Um, and we have a lot of control and a lot of say in that. And that travels through even into the editing process, because, you know, we capture hundreds of hours of footage. How do we, you know, whittle away at that? And what moments or what best of uh, pieces do you put together to really string together the story that then people out there in the public end up seeing? Mm-hmm. So there's decisions made every step along the way of what is the story? How do we tell it? How do we tell it in the most impactful way, but also make it entertaining? Um, and producers have a hand in all of that. That's wow. so cool. When they you first, yeah, when you first got into become like going from a bartender and then you took the course to become a producer, was there something that like you just immediately like, oh, this is for me? Or it was it? like more of a job, but were you like, Oh, this is cool. Like I'll do this. Or were you like, cause I know I was, I've always been in sales and I think some people are made for sales. Some people aren't. And I'm definitely one that I just like love talking to people. So I'm like, I was made for sales cause I get really excited about selling. Like if I like the product. So I just was curious how you felt in those beginning, like producer moments, like, yes, this is for me. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's exactly that. Like once I realized I could make a living getting to know people, I was like, oh, this is this is a dream job. Because that's really what it boils down to at the end of the day, getting to know people yeah. and like pulling their stories out and, um, you know, putting that on camera. And, you know, even now when I'm not working, when I meet a stranger, like in a store or on the street, I just have this like inability to not like, I have an inability to, um, Wait, that's a double negative. I'm <laughs> incapable of not interviewing people. Yeah. Like, I just want to know everything about you. I find every human being fascinating. Yeah. And the more different we are from each other, the more fascinated I am to find a common thread. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that there you can always find a common thread. It doesn't matter who you are. Even if our, our value systems are complete opposites, there is something that we have in common. And I find that dogs are, are one of like the top things. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. like for the most part, everybody loves dogs. Um, and if they don't, then you know to stay away. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's okay if you like cats too. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's really when I realized I could just sit there and talk to people and that would be a way that I could, you know, build a career. That was really fascinating. And, you know, there was like in the beginning, it's not it's not as glamorous, of course, like you, yeah. you kind of, you have to earn the, that, right. You have to earn the responsibility of being able to, you know, talk to somebody and get their story. And so when you're an associate producer, what you're really doing is you're sitting in a room and, and you're taking notes, right. You're listening. Um, I, like, I remember some of my first shows, what I did was I would literally sit in the room where an interview was being done and listen to another producer do it. Somebody who was more seasoned, somebody senior to me. I would just sit there for hours and hours and hours taking notes. And I find it fascinating because you can feel the energy in the room and you can tell when somebody's good at it and when somebody's not so good at it. And I remember the first time I ever sat in a room and, and the subject cried um, or the talent cried. And to me, that was such a magical moment. I mean, not because like we get a joy out of making people cry, <laughs> but just the idea that the trust is there and that vulnerability, vulnerability is there and, and you can connect in that way. And this person feels comfortable sharing that like that, that to me is like really, really magical. Yeah. Yeah. That's when, you know, like a job well done. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Seriously. What would you say like is the part of the creative process is your favorite? Like what would it be that like getting the, you know, getting people to cry? No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they do say like when a subject cries, a producer gets their wings. <laughs> but like tears aren't always the best part. There is something really special about that connection for sure. Um, but to me, the best part I think about working as a producer is that you get to meet so many different people and you get to do so many different types of shows. So it's almost like you get to live like 12, 15, 30 different types of lives. And so, you know, you take a deep dive into food, you take a deep dive into fashion, you take a deep dive into home renovation. Like there's just all these subjects that you have, you're forced to have to learn because now you're going to be telling the stories about those, you know, industries or those people. And so in that way, like, it's just so much fun because you get to, you get to almost like live these people's lives in a way because you're so immersed in what they do just to be able to tell their stories. So that's my favorite part because I love learning about all different kinds of things. Yeah. And so now like I know like an exorbitant amount about food and like fashion that I'll never use, but, <laughs> but I have it. But you know, <laughs> it, you never know. You might write that script. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All that experience. It's like you've been to a lot of college courses. Right. <laughs> for, for sure. And you mentioned earlier about just the, how you have to work together a lot with the editors. So how does that process work as far as the producers and editors working together to decide, I guess, to come up with what we see on TV. Yeah. yeah. So it's a very collaborative process. I guess you could kind of compare it to like, if you were, if you, if you were in like a duo, if you had like a singer and like a guitar player or like piano player, mm -hmm. it's very much like a, a concert in that way. And so, you know, I can only speak from personal experience, but I do think that this applies like pretty broadly. Um, when you when you shoot a show, so there's pre-production, which is when you, all the planning that goes in, that's the casting and planning out what the show will be. Then there's production, which is when you actually do the shoot. Uh, then when, pro uh, when production wraps up, you move into post-production. That's when everything gets cut together. And so in post, you bring in all the footage. And as a producer, you sort of watch everything down which can be a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and then you sort of pull what the best moments are. And we do scripting, which is not the traditional sense of scripting where you're actually writing words to paper. We sort of just lay out, you know, in editing programs, what we think like the stories will be. Yeah. And then you kind of take that work or that script and footage, you pass it to the editor and the editor does like all the, um, you know, filling in of like, what, what will we see? You know, what's the music that we'll hear? And they really sort of put all the visual and, and audio stuff behind it. Hmm. And so together with a little more back and forth, that's sort of how a show comes to take shape. And then you end up, you know, you have a first pass, which is like called your rough cut. Uh, when that's ready, you send that to a network, the network watches it, you get notes on it, it get, gets sent back, you do a fine cut, you get another round of notes generally, and then finally you lock the show. So there's actually a lot of work that goes into what you end up seeing. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of stuff you don't end up seeing that gets left on the 
quote unquote cutting room floor. Right. right. It's so much. And I don't think I would have ever known. And, and I still don't know. But like being on a show like that, I was like, wow, like there's so many moving pieces, so many moving people. It's just a lot. And it's a long hours. I always felt so bad for the PAs. Like I was like, can I like give you a massage or something? Like <laughs> I've you have to be so exhausted. Like, it's just, yeah. So I don't think people know that. I mean, how would you, you know? Yeah, it's a grueling, it's a grueling. You know, you work long hours. Um, it's at a minimum, it's a 12 hour day. Wow. I've worked as much as 20 hour days. Wow. Um, and it's, you know, I think that's also why the industry is, you know, tends to be younger, right? Mm-hmm. You've got a lot of young people who are hungry and, and jumping in. Um and it, yeah, it's a lot of people. I think people don't realize how much crew it takes to put together a show like that. Yeah. You know, lighting and art. And, you know, if you're on a food show, you have a whole f- culinary department mm-hmm. and, you know, camera, audio, producers. It's, it's a huge, it's a, it's a huge family. You know, most productions, you know, like Worst Cooks and Top Chef and Runway, like you have at least a hundred people on the crew, um, wow. give or take. And yeah, so it takes takes a lot of people to to you know make that little show that you just spend like thirty minutes watching or an hour watching. Yeah. Um, but it's so much fun. Like we have so much fun together. Uh, but I do I, I agree. Like Kristen, I think it's hardest for people like you. Yeah. Because like obviously you're in front of the camera, and like I, I don't know if you remember, but like the whole big thing was always like okay energy, big energy, like keep your energy up. Or like when you're sitting in an interview chair for like three hours straight, you're like all right. Just, you know, pretend you're in the moment. Like, give me that energy again. Oh, yeah. They would always be like, Kristen, drink your cocaine. Like, because I had this, I used to drink Spark, and they called it, like, my crack. They're like, drink some of your crack. I was like, okay, I'm drinking it. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so funny. So you kind of just shared some things that the average viewer probably wouldn't know. Is there anything else that you can share, maybe one or two things? things that might be super surprising to the regular viewer. Yeah. I mean, I think what most people don't realize is how many hours of interview it takes to put together a show. Um, You know, there's a whole like narrative process that we go through and, you know, Kristen, you can attest to that, you know, everything happens and we shoot it and it's like, it's, it happens live and, you know, you're recording that to tape and then it gets edited. But but we also do this whole other separate day where it's like interview days and on shows like especially competition shows and most reality formats like that's when people are sitting and talking to a camera or you know talking to a producer who's just offside a camera and they're narrating everything that happened already oh my and, gosh you know grueling. it's grueling but also what's so weird and and Kristen you can probably speak to this more is like you're you're not just narrating what happened you have to do it in present tense yeah. yeah. Like, so it already happened, but you're talking about it as if it's happening right now, because when the viewer watches the show, they're seeing it happen, quote unquote, live. And so when, you know, Kristen's talking about whatever dish she's making or whatever thing she's prepping, she has to narrate that for us in present tense. And it's so awkward. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like they probably got mad at me because I was also, you're so tired. And so you're not like fully thinking. And so they're like present tense. And I'm like, oh, fuck. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. remember, like, just tell me what to say and I'll say it. Yeah, it's the most unnatural way to speak. 
But yeah. 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 I know that too, because our sister-in-law who's on the Real Housewives of Dallas, I remember her saying, like, we would be on the phone and she's headed to confessionals or whatever. And she's like, I have to talk, go back and talk about this. I don't even remember. Like, we filmed <laughs> that so long ago, you know? Yeah, so, definitely well. the hard the hardest part for at least for the contest, you know, people on the talent, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, I feel like that would be really rough for me because I have short-term memory loss. So I'd be like, you're going to have to show me that scene and then we can talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then um, that's the producer's job, right? To be like, remind you what happened and what you did and how you felt or how we think you felt at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So what about like since COVID and everything, how has the industry changed? I know it's, you know, production's probably slowed down or stopped completely. I don't know. Yeah, that's a great question, actually. So uh, as of late, I've been, the last few years, I've been just in post-production and it's a lot easier if you're in post-production to transition, right? You know, if you're, if you were going into an office, they just ship you your media or you log into a remote terminal and all the media is there. So that's not a huge change of pace. But if you're somebody who is working in field or, you know, the product actual production on set side, it's hugely different now. You know, I can't even imagine being a like a camera operator having to work like how do you wear a face shield when you're operating camera? It's impossible because you need to stick your eye into the eyepiece. So I've seen some really creative people who've crafted like, you know, goggles where it's like half a goggle so that like one eye is open and that eye sits in the eyepiece and the other one is protected um yeah it's it's wild and you know so you're on set 14 16 hours a day and you have to wear an n95 mask you have to wear a face shield over that um you're not allowed to eat or drink anything if you're indoors oh my gosh yeah because that's i mean if if you're on a set where they are truly covid compliant and they're doing their utmost to keep, you know, crew and, and, and talent safe, that should be the protocol. Wow. And you do that because if you're indoors um, and there's any kind of spray or like passage of particles, like you can, that's, it makes everything more vulnerable. And so mealtime and any kind of hydrating has to happen outside. And wow. so like all crew meals are happening outside where you've got like long folding tables and you're six feet apart. Um, because if you're going to remove your mask, you have to be eating at a safe distance. But the hydration part, I think, is like the hardest thing for most crew that I'm hearing about, you know, to adjust to. Because, I mean, how do you how do you work a 14 hour day and not drink anything? You have to. I mean, yeah. just coffee in the morning alone. And so I recently actually did a short shoot and I would run outside and just chug a whole bottle of water yeah, and then gosh. go back in. And then you just have to be mindful to stay hydrated. I was going to say, maybe they need to start bringing in like water IVs. (laughs) Right? I I mean, it's, it's, it's such a small thing that you don't really think about. Yeah. Uh, But once you're on set, you're like, okay, so this is what production during a pandemic is like. Um, But I will say that the good thing is, you know, the industry is back up and running. Like not all productions are, are happening as they normally would mm-hmm. but there's a good amount of stuff that's filming um, at least in the northeast area mm-hmm. I know it's been harder for some scripted content like we've heard of movies that are getting delayed because you know so-and-so is getting COVID and that's happening on unscripted sets as well but you know we're we're rolling with it because I feel like now more than ever people want to watch stuff 
I was gonna say, yeah. and people so we need can't TV. not make stuff. Yeah, yeah right. people need to be. So yeah. it's it's still going, and and we're just trying to stay safe while we do it. Yeah, yeah. I have two questions. They kind of go hand. Well, not really hand in hand, but first is. What would be your best advice to somebody who would love to get into your industry? And then the second part of that is if somebody wanted to be on a show that you produce, then what would be your biggest piece of advice there? Oh, great questions. The first one I get a lot more often. Um, if you want to work in TV um, or film or really just production in general, it's really about networking and just diving in. And, you know, it's notor- a notoriously difficult industry to get into. Uh, very often you have to know somebody. But the positive side of that is that you do know somebody. Like, I'm almost certain you know someone who works in TV. So that's the plus. Um, so find those people and see, you know, if they're able to, you know, connect you with others. The, the downside is like, you know, we're kind of living in an era where like, there's no such thing as like, oh, can I intern or can I work for free? Because both of those things are, are hazardous or can often be abused. And so you kind of do have to come with a little bit of credibility or really just make sure the timing is right. And so I always say like for your first your first step in is going to be a production assistant. You got to start from the bottom. It's very rare that you can really skip ahead. And as a production assistant, you're, you're doing all the grunt work, like anything and everything that a pr- production needs from you, you, you have to be willing to do. And so it takes a certain, you know, go get them kind of attitude if you want to, if you want to make it. And then I would say outside of like networking, having that, you know, right attitude, just start making stuff, right? If you're, if you're at a point where it's really hard to get on a show, uh, which it can be, shoot something yourself, right? Or volunteer on a student film, you know, build out your resume so that people at least can see that oh, like you've had some experience or you've tried to at least get experience because that'll give you a leg up too. Do you, maybe this is a myth or a wrong perception, but do you, is it necessary to live in LA or New York to really score a better job or what would- That's a great question. (laughs) And that's, it's not that, it's not a myth, but it's not a current fact anymore in my opinion. I mean, New York and LA will always be huge entertainment hubs. But like, there's huge hubs in in cities all over the country. Um, And even outside of the US, like, you know, Canada has a huge filming hub. Um, But there's production hubs in Texas, there's production hubs in huge production hub in Georgia, like Tyler Perry just built a massive mega studio out there. Uh, And so you can always find something to work on. I will say like, TV is one of those mediums where it's evolving so much because of streaming services. So, you know, we're not making, I think we're kind of stepping away from broadcast and cable and what we used to know growing up. And now it's so much more like digital and those productions can happen really anywhere. And so like, if you're looking to get into production, like there's some great resources, um, like staff me up is a really great, um, hiring, uh, portal. There's also, a ton of Facebook groups uh, with media and entertainment professionals and everybody kind of networks through there. And I would say like, you know, don't be afraid to look where you are also because there's also digital content because everything is digital now. And so you don't have to work on um, a TV show or unscripted or scripted 
to work in media, right? You can be making videos for Instagram or, you know, any kind of like social, um, even like uh, promos and things like that. Um, there's companies big and small everywhere. So you can, you can dive in, I think, wherever you are. Yeah. Cool. Totally. Some good and stuff. on the other side of that, what would your biggest advice Casting. be for someone like wanting to be on, you know, a sh- one of your shows or yeah. a show? How did you end up on the show? So, oh, that's a great question. So it's kind of random. So Brandy, my sister-in-law, actually was auditioning for what she thought. I don't know if it was Real Housewives of Dallas or not. I think it was. But apparently they were like auditioning for Miami and Dallas at the same time. And I like went with her and we ended up like auditioning for, I didn't even know I was, it was the craziest thing. I ended up auditioning for a show called, what was it called? Do y'all remember? Dallas. Dallas Social. Social. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like only, I was just out of high school. Everyone else was like 30 and I was so scared. But one of the casting people like had my information and so I would get emails like all the time, like want to audition for this, want to audition for that. And honestly, I never did until Worst Cooks because, you know, my I come from a family of restaurant owners. And I was like, how fun would this be? And like uh, how proud of my, my family would be of me to like learn how to cook since everybody owns restaurants. <laughs> so I was like, why not? You know, so I like sent in my info and they called me literally like it might have been that day or the next day. Yeah. So like, that's, I feel like that's a typical story, you know? Yeah. And like casting is just one of those worlds where, oh my God, like there's so much casting all the time. Yeah. Like there's really like, there's a million things that you could get cast for. And and there's so many casting agencies as well. And they all talk to each other. And so, you know, oftentimes like if there's a specific show you're really gunning for, you'll see them post like when their season wraps up they'll always be prepping for the next season. Um, and so you'll see that, you know, when they share like, oh, we're now casting for the next season. And so you can apply in that traditional way. But if there isn't a show in spe- like specifically that, you know, you feel like you would fit for, but you think that you have like this amazing personality or story that the, you know, country <laughs> needs to see, which unfortunately many people feel that way. Um, <laughs> um, like once you get into that casting circuit, people know. Um, and a lot of times, you know, and I guess that this is like a secret or not so secret, like a lot of times, you'll come across people who are just like people where you're like, oh, this person needs to be on TV. Yeah. But like, you don't know how, you don't know what the right show is for them. But you're like, oh, man, like you need to be on TV. (laughs) And so you'll have people who like tried out for this thing, and they didn't make it, but they get passed on to like two, three, four other shows until they finally, you know, find the right fit. Um, So if you're dying, to you know share yourself with the world (laughs) there there is a way um and I will say like practice practice and like really make a good pitch tape because you have such a it's like you have like two minutes to really like bear your soul Mm -hmm. um and so make it make it count because that's all that people are seeing on the other side yeah yeah and I found for me I was just being like super vulnerable willing to like show my personality. I, you know what I'm saying? I feel like that really, I don't know if it did. You can tell me. Um, (laughs) but I feel like that was helpful. So like, I I am like a question would be asked and I had an answer because I was just being myself, you know? Right. Like it's, yeah. And I think that that's the best case scenario where you find somebody who is like authentic, um, but also entertaining and like, you know, that vulnerability, that being genuine, and like people gravitate to that 
And I think now more than ever, you have people who watch TV and watch content and like people are savvy, right? They know when you're like playing it up or hamming it for camera. Um, I think people are really want more now to like see real people and see themselves and in, in people mm-hmm, um yeah. that's not to say like you know you still don't you, you still put like high energy and like entertaining people um on shows but mm-hmm. but yeah real people and and so like don't don't be somebody you're not because right. they'll see through that too yeah. yeah. I think we all, and we've talked to Brandy, our sister-in-law, we had her on the show. And of course we adore her, but sometimes with that specific reality show, the Housewives series, a lot of times we're just like, gosh, it's so unfortunate because like what you were saying, whenever y'all just, you and the editors decide what really it comes down to what the audience, what's going to sell, right? Because you want the show to work. And we've always said, gosh, I wish the American people would stop wanting like not drama. Yeah, just the drama. (laughs) Because how cool. I don't know. I guess just me personally, I'm more drawn to stories like what you shared about what y'all did in the movie theater with the wedding. And and I don't know, maybe COVID will we'll have to look back and see if that changes the viewer's eye at all. But I think it is. I think when you you look at like how people are like going wild over like the British Bake Off mm-hmm. and that's, that's honestly hands down one of my favorite shows yeah because you've got people who are real people it is a competition it's a reality show uh it's a food show but there's no crazy drama mm-hmm. on that show I mean the drama is like maybe the food but you right. know you got people who are authentically cheering each other on it's like so heartwarming. It's so entertaining. You feel so good every episode that you watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like there is a shift in like the American sensibility where we're kind of done with all that drama. Right. I mean, the Kardashians is coming to an end. Thank I was God. A- I was about <laughs> to ask you, do you have any insight? Do you have any inside scoop? Was that really their doing or Oh, I don't have an inside scoop on that, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. yeah. But I am so happy. For us and for them. Yeah. That that chapter is, I mean, to me, that chapter should have closed 10 years ago. But yeah, I mean, yeah, listen, like <laughs> it, it employed a lot of my friends and we are all grateful. But, you know, I think I think America is ready for some better content that I think brings out the best in us. Yeah. That, it's so funny no. you say that because that's always been like a secret dream of mine to like, because me and my sisters, that's why we started this podcast was to like put good energy out there. Like, you know, um, be a support system for women. We know that we F up, but we can, you know, not put shame on ourselves and, you know, just live a good life. And totally, so that's always been like a secret, you know, passion to be like, oh, if we could have our, you know, share that with the world. Like yeah. that's, you know. But I think that's the pendulum swinging back, right? It's like you always see these cultural shifts. And like, so we're all, I think, around the same age, you know, give or take, like what we're all within the same 10 year, you know, range, I think. And we grew up on like that crazy reality drama. I mean, it's the crazy world that gave us our current president. Mm -hmm. And so I think growing up with that kind of content is like, okay, like been there, done that, like not healthy, does not bring out the best in us. And now us as, you know, adults, we're craving something different. We're craving the opposite. And I do think that there is this attempt now in our industry to really, you know, shift more towards that and make things that are more inspiring, make things that feel good. Doesn't mean that it's not entertaining. Like Mm -hmm. there are still ways to do all of that. Um, 
but I do think that that's happening and I'm actually so excited and happy that it is because it's really about time. Yeah. I love love to hear that from somebody that's in the industry too. That's so cool. Oh, we all feel it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because we carry the guilt and the burden of like, oh, we put all this drama out there. Look at the country now. (laughs) Let's fix it. Yeah. Like it's kind of like the social dilemma. Have you seen that? Um, oh my god i so i watched the trailer and i'm putting it off because there's only so much i can take right now yeah (laughs) well it kind of reminds me because the guys basically who were the creators of all the stuff that they talk about in there that's why they made this documentary they're like Mm -hmm. so we feel responsible that we need to help fix this you know 100 percent. i never worked on the apprentice but i feel totally responsible for what's happening now (laughs) (laughs) yeah Even though it's Mark Burnett's fault. Yeah. Okay. So I have one more question and then we'll finish up. But who, this is, I'm sure, a very hard one because it sounds like you've met so many wonderful, amazing, cool people. But does any one person, whether it's a host um, from Runway or whatever, is there any uh, person working in the show or a contestant that just really stands out that you fell in love with? Um, I mean, we fall in love with all our talent. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think that's like, it's part, it's partly a part of your job, but also just a part of the reason why you love your job. Um, and I mean, I feel like this is evidence of it, right? Because how long ago was it that you were on the show, Kristen? I don't really remember. It's I been years. I think it was 2015. So five yeah. years. Yeah. That feels like forever ago. Yeah. But the fact that like, we still keep in touch and like, you reached out to do this and I'm like, absolutely. Like, these are the kinds of like relationships that you walk away with forever. Yeah, um, yeah. And so like, can I pick one? Absolutely not. It's like impossible for me to pick one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I will say like, you know, I will say the theme of what's been so amazing about my career so far is women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, this is an industry that is so women led, um, you know, between producers and now so many women who operate cameras, you know, audio engineers. Um, And to me, you know, this is an industry that is like driven by women. And unfortunately we don't see that at the top yet, um, you know, in the executive level, but that is changing. And so for me, I think the most, the, the, the most incredible thing is like all the mentors I've had along the way all the women talent that I meet along the way. Um, And that is sort of like just the joy of going to work every day on a set or in post. Like it's just these incredible women who like, if you've ever, if you've ever doubted that a woman could do like a million things at once, like meet a producer, right? (laughs) I mean, like producers are just like, incredible people like you need to get something done you need to get 15 things done at once call a producer yeah Um, and so many of those are women yeah there's just something about it where I think we I don't know if we're just born with these skills um or we're culturally um you know shaped to have to do all these things at once but you know the women that I have met in the last 10 years I mean that that's just really they get shit done yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I love I'm it. pretty sure I just told Megan the other day, which might sound a little cocky, but along to what you're saying, I was like, you know what? It is freaking amazing how much we get done in one freaking day. <laughs> yep. It's so true. So yeah. crazy. There you go. It's like even now during a pandemic, I feel for all the all the moms. 
Oh my yeah. god! Right, like all the working moms, and it's like the working dads are like they don't know what to do with themselves. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I've I've got coworkers who are like, um, I can't do the meeting. I have to watch these two kids. I'm like, what do you mean? Like you can do both at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. They can't. They, they can't. Can, Megan can attest to that. Yeah, it's possible. Yes. Yeah. Oh I so love it. Funny. I feel like we could talk all day. I really do. I yeah. know. Have you ever thought of producing podcasts? I actually have thought about it. Um, it's <laughs> it's, it's one of those girl. things, yeah, right? I know. <laughs> I've thought about it, but I haven't like put enough thought into it. it. But like, that's just one of those things. You see how industries just take off so quick. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. The market is so saturated. I yeah. know. And so there is like, I have like two ideas that I thought would be fun. If I do one, it's going to be like a total, like just for sake of entertainment, nonsensical, like (laughs) just laugh. So like one of my favorite podcasts is, um, and I don't know if you've heard of it. It's my dad wrote a porno. Uh -uh. (laughs) Oh Oh my God. Highly recommend. It's British. And it's based on a true story. This guy's father decided to write a porno and self-publish it on Amazon. Shut up. And all they do is he and two of his friends, the three of them, read his dad's porno on the podcast. (laughs) And it's like my wife and I were listening. We almost got into a car accident listening to this podcast. It's hilarious. That is so funny. It's so funny. I highly recommend. For sure. Looking it up. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for the right. In fact, do you want that to be – our challenge for this week is yeah. oh god well can i give a fun challenge and then yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes, and then a real one okay because because you know listening to my dad wrote a porno is not gonna that's yeah. not twisting your arm i think everybody will enjoy it and okay. it'll be some nice levity for yeah. everyone um but i think you know my challenge for everyone for real for real um just goes back to you know what we talked about in the beginning like i think you know as much as like we tell stories as producers for a living, I think it's so important for us as human beings to share those stories. Um, And that means, you know, being vulnerable and being honest and living your truth um, and sharing a little bit of that with the world. Um, And I'm not saying like bear it all out for the world to see either. Like you are absolutely entitled to your privacy, but, um, but we should share a little bit more of ourselves with each other because I think that gives each other gives each other hope and it gives us, you know, maybe inspiration or it just makes people feel seen. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes a long way in the world that we're living in now. Um, I think it goes a long way in cultivating some more love and kindness, which God knows we need more of. Mm -hmm. Um, And I hope that, you know, for people who are listening to your podcast, like, hey, it doesn't matter if you've never gotten involved in something before, like, just take a first step. Um, if you see that something could be changed for the better, um, if you see that somebody could use a kind word, just do it. Um, it's something small for you, but it could really change somebody else's life. Um, and most importantly, please make sure you are registered and vote. Yes. I have to tell you. So back to the beginning, we in Texas, the last day to register was October 5th. And my husband and I both made it to the post office and got postmarked by October 5th because we just awesome. moved from Virginia. So we weren't registered. But oh, you got that. You got the it's like the golden ticket being <laughs> registered in Texas. <laughs> yes, we got it in. Um, well, Anna, thank you so much. You are a gem and I've just loved getting to know you. And uh, if you will, I know our listeners are going to love you too. Please share with them where they can find you. 
Absolutely. Um, so you can follow me on Instagram. My handle is itty bitty shorts. Um, that's a long story that we won't get into now. Um, <laughs> next time, next time. <laughs> yeah, next time. Um, but yeah, I post a lot of stuff there. Uh, my page is public, you know, mainly because everything that I share is for everyone to see. Um, and if you have questions about TV, if you have questions about voting, anything really, um, feel free to jump in my DMs and, you know, let's, let's make this world a better place together. Yeah, exactly. And I love your challenge for us. And I think that even if we feel like a small thing doesn't make a big impact, just for all of us to remember that it creates waves and it goes a long way. So thank you, Anna. And thank Thank you you. listeners for tuning in another week with us. We love you guys and we will see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.